Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show. I'm your host, George Ellick, and this is a Clarence House preview looking ahead to the racing at Ascot and Haydock on Saturday. On this episode, hear who Andy Holding and Ed Quigley think will come out on top in the titanic battle between Shishkin and Anagamine. I mean, we were robbed of this uh, potential clash, weren't we, last season in, in the Arkell. I hope we just see a really good race and um, it's as big a spectacle as what we hope for. I mean, if it's a ding-dong battle, which we want to see, there's not much between them. This is a race to save them. And he's confident to predict a 5-2 to two shot will go off much shorter against a well-fancied 8-11 to 11 favourite at Haydock. Don't get how they bet 4-6, to 5-2 to two here. I'd have these a lot, lot shorter. And stay tuned for the very end for a couple of horses that Andy thinks could go well at Lingfield on Sunday, including one he expects to frank the Constitution Hill form. He's come out of those two races with a mark of 117. If there's a better handicapped horse in that race, I haven't come across it, so... Today, we are going to be previewing the weekend ahead of racing, including Clarence House. We're going to be looking to Ascot, we're going to be looking to Haydock, and we're going to be doing to, doing so with two expert guests who we haven't spoken to for a while. So I'm going to wish you both Happy New Year. I hope you had a great Christmas. I know it's the 20th of January, but having not spoken <laughs> since before Christmas, I think we're still allowed to say that. Uh, first, it is Odds Checker's very own tipster, Andy Holding. Andy, how has January been so far for you both? on a personal level and, of course, from your, your column and your punting perspective as well? Um, yeah, personally, um, I feel a lot healthier than I, I, I was going into Christmas. You're looking good. So I'm, kick, I'm kicking in a new um, new regime as I'm sort of um, going on the back nine of my um, lifespan, as it were. Um, <laughs> um, decided decided to cut out quite a few things and do um, uh, a little bit of running and uh, cardio stuff. Um so yeah, I got one of those new Garmin watches for for, for Christmas. Um, Good so, for yeah, golf mon- that as well. Yeah, mon- monitors heart rate and cardio stuff. So I'm I'm doing managing to do at least three two k runs um, every single week and, and one or two bits and pieces in the house as well. So feeling a bit better. Um, and yeah, the results not too bad. January I'm I'm touching up my total, but January's going very much on the same plane as as December. Um, you know, managing to find at least one or two winners each day. Um, so yeah, just yeah, ch- chugging along as it were and, and doing okay. So hopefully we can maintain that through to the weekend. Out of interest, what, what's been cut out of the diet? Because I'm somebody who, you know, I, I seem to go on a new diet every week. So I'm interested to know what's what's working so well. Um, yeah, not so much not so much bread and carbs and pasta and stuff like that. Um oh, pasta though. So I good. Know, it's, I know it's a killer. It, it's 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 part of the diet that you just know is not good for you, but you just can't can't avoid it half the time because it's kind of there um a lot less alcohol as well i'm not a big i'm not a big drinker anyway but you know you have the cheeky little red ear and a, and a little beer here then everywhere so just generally just not cutting down you know dramatically but not overindulging and and um just just i don't know just trying to do trying to do the right things anyway my second guest is a man who's never had to think about dieting in his life. It is Ed Quigley, <laughs> of course, without jawline. Ed, how's, how are things going oh, for you? God. You having a healthy January as well? You couldn't be further from the truth there, Ed, George. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm, I'm on the I'm on day twenty of dry January. Um, obviously, nice. it, it flood February <laughs> follows, so that's going to be the uh, the problem. But uh, no, I'm not quite. Um, I was running loads last year in like. half marathons and stuff. But no, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> haven't done anything like that. I'm not keeping my own speed figures on myself, shall we say, like, uh, <laughs> like Andy is. But uh, no, I'm, I'm no doubt in the summer I'll get back to the running. But yeah, in terms of um, putting pretty quiet generally. I'm more. I mean, yeah, I'm just having bets for the festival now, really, with uh, anything I think is a rick or any angle in, really. I'm kind of topping up those but um yeah it's, it's generally a quiet month and obviously but we've got the, the clarence house chase meeting haydock uh linkfield good action as well and then she's mm. chatting on trials day next week so after a little bit of a lull it all starts to come thick and fast again yeah there is some cracking racing at linkfield on sunday uh, i'll ask you both if you've got any fancies just at the end but this is an ask it and haydock podcast i'm now after what you said there, Ed, I'm now envisaging Andy getting in from his run and lining up the two screens and having his two his two runs, his two two k runs from that week, and doing the uh, doing the sectionals for each and working out how Funny he can should improve. say that. Not not quite not quite to that extent, George. But yeah, courtesy of the uh, the stopwatches gizmos, you can actually um, see whether you've gone quicker than you did last time out. Oh, so yeah, yeah. I, br- I broke my own record this morning. So that's going well on the right track. <laughs> Great stuff. I mean, we could talk about that all day. We better get into the racing. 
But before we get into the action, I want to let you know of a brand new podcast and YouTube show from Odds Checker called Racing Weekly. Racing Weekly is hosted by ITV Racing's Rishi Passad and five-time tipster of the year, Sam Turner, as they take a 360-degree view of the sport that we all love. Each week, the chaps will be reviewing the weekend's racing just gone, looking forward to the week ahead and tackling the biggest stories in the sport in the build-up to the Cheltenham Festival. Racing Weekly will be out every Monday on YouTube and wherever you download your podcasts, just search for Racing Weekly odds checker or find it in the link description of this show i'm absolutely buzzing for that two great men rishi and sam and uh what they you know they know everything about this sport and looking forward to catching up on what's going on there every week in the run-up to the festival let's get cracking with ascot then and we're gonna skip over the the 1235 because there aren't any prices yet there um in that juvenile hurdle but the one 10 the sbk handicap chase cat tiger is the five to two favorite ahead of didero Vallis at five to one winter fire five to one downtown getaway 11 to two defi sacra eight to one the broy 11 to one uh combalobo 12 to one 14 to one bar these prices all coming to you from the odds checker app so the best prices available you can also find the best place terms bookie offers free bets and the best tipsters in the game there as well and Andy will come to you first first race we're previewing in 2022 yeah a tricky one to to get ahead around first I'd have strong opinions in some of the other races we're going to be covering um a general rule of thumb I don't know if Ed's the same but when I see uh, a Mr D Maxwell at the top of, the, of, of any market I'm always uh, looking straight away to to take that on unless I feel as though it's got a, a, a big enough chance to offset his uh, slight uh, foibles in the in the plate. I think he'd be his own worst enemy, wouldn't he? Or his own own critic, let's say, Dave Maxwell. Uh, he certainly knows his limitations. Uh, that goes without saying. The horse has got a perfectly respectable chance on what he's done, but like I say, factored in, Dave's not um, the most elegant in the saddle. Let's say um, he, he wouldn't do for me at the prices. I, I, right down the foot of the weight, so I'd probably go here with with. Uh, a young horse called Winds of Fire, uh, one of Evan Williams's. Evan's been a little bit slow out of the block since um, the New Year's turn, but there are signs that he's becoming uh, a, a little bit more reliable in the last week or two. And he's got a nice horse here who, who finished third in a four-runner race last time out at Taunton. But that was quite a hot little contest. Uh, Lord Accord, the winner, uh, very highly regarded by uh, Neil Holland. Jeremy's pass, likewise, as well, for the Nickel Stable in second. And, um, you know, this horse has only just uh, come out of the battle with the, with those uh, two in the latter stages. Um, he clearly goes really well right-handed. He likes soft ground. He stays well. He's got a lovely attitude. And being one of the most unexposed members of the party, I tend to go with these young horses if I possibly can in a race of this nature where a lot of these are, you know, been around the block a little bit and um, perhaps aren't improving at a rapid rate or not. So around about five to one, as you say, for Windsor fight, he'd be where I'd start with my starting point anyway for a race like that. Winter Fire 5 to 1 at the moment with William Hill, best price. Ed, how do you see this? Oh, I don't know how to see it, to be honest with you. Yeah, uh, this is very, very tricky. Uh, a lot of outsourced individuals in here. Uh, it has to be said, if you scratch around for form. So it's downtown getaway one last time out. as form it, of course. But this is this is uh, arguably a bit tougher on paper. I don't know. I mean, it's getting to last chance loom with Lebroy, isn't it, for the Ben Pauling team? Uh, mm. he, he's a horse who just seems to keep letting me down or letting punters down generally but he's a double figure price here he's got the blinkers on for the first time and just wonder if they could have the desired effect he, he's dangerously well treated off 132 I mean this was the winner of the National Hunt Chase at the Channel Festival uh, many moons ago he's got a touch of class despite his advancing years and as I said he was rated 150 at his peak gets in here off 132 Luca Morgan claiming another five pounds off his back um, I mean, he's going to feel like he's running loose if the blinkers work and he uh, uh, kind of rekindle any of the old fires, if you like. So in a race without any strong convic convictions, uh, my tentative each way play, uh, providing we get at least eight go to post, uh, Lebroy uh, around 11 to 1 would, would probably do for me. But it is getting to that kind of stage with him where if you can't show anything of this type of mark with the headgear doing something for him, then they, they might start thinking about drawing stumps. But uh, there's no denying even on the form of uh, a year ago or so, he's very well treated. Yeah, Lebroy there, 11 to 1. And I do feel like, uh, Ed, you're an absolute sucker for those Ben Pauling horses that we've seen do so well in the past. They pop up at a big price. You know they have the ability, and certainly Lebroy here 
if back to his best, will make a mockery of that 11 to 1 price. On then to the 145, the Holloway's handicap hurdle, where uh, Gary Claremont is the 4 to 1 favourite ahead of Unexpected Party at 5 to 1, Stella Magic 11 to 2, Fidu Dairy 8 to 1, uh, Smurf Yankee 9 to 1, Kateson and Sonagino 10 to 1, 14 to 1, bar the rest. Uh, Eddie found the last one tricky. Is this an easier um, <laughs> one for you mm-hmm. to tackle? Well, one thing I would say is that the horse in it, I, I did the tissue for this, and the bottom weight on your cards is Sonny Gino for Cobden and Nichols. I'm surprised to see he's double figures, personally. Mm. I, I had him a lot shorter. I, I had him around a kind of 11 to 2, 6 to 1 poke in here. I mean, he's totally unexposed as a five-year-old. There's a few in here. You kind of know where you are with them. You know, horses that have been around the block, a, you know, a long time. This is an unexposed five-year-old, very lightly raced, and uh, he showed promise in the listed race, didn't he, at Haydock on his penultimate start. And then the wheels came off a little bit at Doncaster last time out. It had a very awkward high head carriage in the closing stages. Interesting that connections have put the tongue tie on. Uh, I mean, if that was the issue and perhaps the horse swallowed his tongue or there's a slight little breathing problem, that can make the difference. I mean, this, this horse has just got so much potential still. It's only his third start for the Paul Nichols team for crying out now. It's not like he's a, an exposed handicapper. He's been dropped three pounds for that to mark of one, two, five. And just in a race where, as I said, there's a few in here, we kind of, you can, you know, they've got no secrets from the handicapper, to, to put it, mm. you know, is the clearest phrase I could do. Uh, and this is a horse I, I'm be very surprised if we've seen the best of. And looking at his pedigree as well, it's worth noting, he steps up in trick. So if that tongue tie works, he can switch off, he can settle. He's off bottom weight. He's lightly raced. And I, I think the trip will bring about further improvement. So uh, he, I'm, I'm just, it's at the prices, really. Uh, yeah. If you said he was nine to two, I probably wouldn't even look at him. But uh, I'm surprised he's as big as 10 to one. Everything has a price, as we know. 10 to one, Sonagino, uh, the one for Eds. Andy? Um, I think the market's got this absolutely bang on. Um, I'd have Gary Claremont in favour and, and unexpected party. In second favour, and I expect one of those to win. Um, I think Gary Claremont is probably the the right one at the top of the market on balance because obviously he's asked got form. He, he was a good uh, uh, second there the time before, and of course third in the in the big race at Ascot just before the Christmas period, where he mm. stayed on quite nicely on the running to finish third behind Tritonic. I don't think it was a vintage win all of that race. One or two. Fancied horses to underachieve, such as No Ordinary Joe, Pull Too Hard, and West Cork didn't uh, back up his run in, in the Great Wood. Um, but because he does like the track and he's stepping up to a distance that he won over last year, I think two and a half is going to suit him better than two, then um, he's probably the one to beat. But I do think, as I mentioned, that unexpected party is also capable of perhaps a little bit better than what he showed in his last two runs, albeit they've been very good runs. That race beyond Gower Road was a uh, a well-contested contest. He kind of travelling strongly at the last. He just got outpointed by a horse who quickened up really well on the day. The back-end sectionals for that race were really good. And then he went to Weatherby the other day, heavily backed. I think he was 5-4 to four in the morning, went off 8-13. to 13. Looked as though he was going to win, pulling a cart going down to the last. I think he traded massive odds on him running. Mm. Harry Skelton kind of like just make, was looking to make sure at the last. And in doing so, he reined the horse back, lost a bit of momentum. And, and, the, and the other horse, the Brimming Water of Sam Drinkwater's, Came and picked his pocket. I think if Harry would have ridden that race again, he would have been a little bit more aggressive. Um, and that was definitely one that got away. It was like one of those races where you think, how on earth has that lost? So despite the, the handicapper recognising that fact as well uh, and putting him up for losing, I still think a mark of 130 is very workable. I like the way he travels through his races. It means he should arrive there travelling, going well, two out. Uh, so at the very worst, I can't see unexpected party not being involved. So if you can get an each way bet on him, he would be the way I'd go in that race. Yeah, two firms, best price at the moment, unexpected party. You've got Paddy Power, who are a fifth of three, five to one, and Betfair Sportsbook, who are a fifth of four um, at five to one. So you're getting your money back if unexpected yeah. party finishes second, third or fourth, and obviously picking up uh, the jackpot if uh, unexpected party lands the party and uh, and wins the race at five to one. On then to the 220, the Mayor's Hurdle, the Grade 2, and uh, Western Victory and Molly's Ollie's Wishes are the 5-2 to two joint favourites ahead of my sister Sarah at 11-4 to four and, you know, trappy top end of the market. Uh, anything for love, 10-1. to one. White Hot Chili Philly, 16-1. to one. An impressive lady, 20-1, to one. Andy. Yeah, a lot depends on, on the ground conditions here and how, how bad it does get. Um, Ascot 
particularly Anne Swindley Bottom can get quite poached and it is a, always a test of stamina turning for home once they hit the hill. And if it becomes a battle of wills and, and who's got the biggest heart, there's, there's no doubt for me that Western Victory will probably um, overcome um, or outrun quite a few of its rivals. Um, she's a horse I know really well from her days with um, Declan Quigley over in Ireland. I've seen her run a hundred times and uh, she's uh, been a, just a very, very reliable source in the, in these kind of events. She's not quite up to sort of, you know, the very, very highest grade in Ireland. She tends to run against some of the best. She got found out a couple of runs ago in a good listed race at Punchestown, but uh, easing in grade last time out when the ground became testing at Clonmel. Um, she put up a really doggy performance. Minx Tiara, who overtook her at turning for home, looked as though she was going to win a mile a minute. And then uh, re-rallying, um, uh, Western Victory came back very strongly on the run-in and in the end won quite comfortably. That was over three miles on, on testing ground. She's actually got the speed to win over two, but like I say, um, she's very um, uh, commendable with, with, all, with regards all distances. Um, and now she's joined Emma Lavelle. I don't see that as being a backward step. Emma Lavelle does really well with her mares and fillies, as we saw with, uh, was it Voice of Calm the other day at Newbury? Mm. The yard's in great form in general. Uh, Young Butler won at Plumpton the other day, and a Corey Claire Surf won last Saturday as well. So that team's uh, rocking and rolling in a, in a, in a really uh, positive manner. So I think that's a really good move um, um, to, to, to have, have her or acquire her in a, in a latter part of her career. But yeah, she comes in in great nick, and I think she's the right favourite. And as I said, uh, a, t- a real stiff test round has got a really suitor. So Western victory for me there. Western victory five to two with three six five, and as you can see, with those three so tight at the top, five to two, five to two, eleven to four, and the definitely taking the view that Western victory is the most likely of the three. Ed, how do you see it? I'll be towards the top of the market again, but I probably will bounce with Molly Ollie's wishes. Uh, the ground will be important to her. I mean, she's got the bulk of her best forms come on a very soft surface. In fact, I think all her career wins have come on soft. Uh, other than it weather be in that listed race where they they called it good to soft, but I mean they're coming home in different postcodes. So. Uh, yeah, I, I think ground conditions will definitely be in a favour. That it was a mixture of she was totally outclassed uh, behind Buzz last time out, and the ground was far too quick for her on that occasion relative to what she she really likes. You know, I mean, she ploughed through the mud when she won best part of twenty lengths the time she won it. Warwick, it was absolutely bottomless. Look, it's not going to be that at Ascot, but it's it's going to be really gluey, tacky ground. I think you know, there's been a lot of frost around, a lot of kind of damp, dank weather, and uh, yeah, I, I, this will take some getting. She's got form. Over three miles, winning form on soft ground over three. Uh, it's a, a very trappy encounter. You can make a case for quite a few in here, but uh, she's got a she's got a touch of class. Uh, ground conditions should be to her favour. We know she stays, and yeah, again, <laughs> it's, it's a very sensitive one. The market, I I, I I just disagree with the market on the previous race we were previewing. I actually think this is pretty much spot on, and I think you can kind of throw a blanket over the top two, possibly three, and yeah, she would be my tentative vote. Molly's, also, Molly's Ollie's wishes five to two. That is with Skybet best price at both Western Victory and Molly's Ollie's wishes two to one elsewhere. Um, so those two getting big, much bigger prices if you shop around using Odds Checker. Uh, On to the 255, the Bet365 handicap chase, where Palmer's Hill is the three to one favourite ahead of Fanny and Destreval at five to one. Phoenix Way, six to one. Killer Clown, six to one. Golden Whiskey, eight to one. Armada Nuit, eight to one. Night in Dubai, nine to one. And Larry, 14 to one. Dead eight runners here, Ed. Um, How, you know, you've, you've, you've agreed with the market in the last you disagreed with the one before how do you see this i pretty much agree with the market here i mean first of all on the bigger picture it's, it's fascinating that fanny and destreval lines up in this assignment i, I think george uh, to try and defy uh, you know bha rating of 159 that's mm. going to be some some tall order in a handicap uh, it has to be said so you know i thought they would have looked at a pattern race perhaps so you know a grady contest at ascot um next month isn't there i'm sure there's other options or even thought about a crack going over to ireland on a bit of soft ground but i think yeah palmer's hill would be who i go with here uh, i say i think you're you're right george around the three to one market leader rise here on a hat trick it's been going through the gears a bit of a a late bloomer for the John Joe team, it has to be said. You know, nine years young now, kind of second spell over fences. But, um, yeah, it's really clicked. Won really nicely here last time out. Uh, over two miles, three furlongs. with extended two miles, two to be technical. Uh, power clearing the code, closing stages. Jumped to travel well. Gone up to 142. But I, I think this extra distance return to this trip will will help bring out even more improvement. The horse just really seems to have his mojo. I think it, it, it's worth noting as well. So just a horse who's been turned inside out uh, again, lots of form of cutting the ground. That won't be an issue. And um, 
yeah, uh, that I, look, it's worth quoting. This is a really good race. You know, we've been talking about a lot of these handicap chases where they're out of sorts individuals and a lot of them scratching around for form. Well, Fanny and Destreval, Palmer's Hill, More Than We, Killer Clown, Golden Whiskey all arrive here on the back of wins. So it's uh, mm. a lot of horses are fine fettles. Very competitive race, but playing the percentages, uh, you know, Fanny and Destreval really is kind of setting up the weights here for a lot of these. And yeah, I, I would be with, um, I'd be with Palmer's Hill. Palmer's Hill for John Joe O'Neill and John Joe O'Neill Jr. There, three to one favourites. Andy? Yeah, as a rule of thumb, George, I, I try and avoid chase races on a, on a Saturday when I'm, when I'm tipping, if I possibly can. Um, I find a lot of them are very difficult to work out pre-race and you only see how the race develops, if, you know, when you get a flavour and a picture of how they're jumping, they're travelling, their track positions and and. and you know, knowing all those details beforehand is always difficult to fathom. Well, I think the hurdle races tend to be a little bit more, um, you know, they, they tend to go with a little bit more symmetry. Um, so, but if you do like your handicap chases, then you've certainly got a couple of nice competitive ones here at Ascot, including this mm. 255. Um, lots of horses coming in good form. I've got a bit of time for. Uh, Ed's already uh, touched upon the one, which I certainly wouldn't disagree with any way, shape or form. You know, course form is always worth its weight in gold. Um, the one I quite like is, is Golden Whiskey uh, down the bottom. I'm tipping two Evan Williams horses here today. Uh, so I'm hoping the yard comes in in good, in good form. Otherwise, I'm sunk. <laughs> um, he, he, he beat a good horse last time out on an improving horse called Where You're Ready, When You're Ready um, at Chepstow. And that horse is very well fancied off the back of a win at the track the time before. Um, but the time figure that race is really good for the grade. So I kind of like went back and watched the race again. I love the way that Golden Whiskey went through the race. He travelled really strong. Uh, I thought he won on merit. And it's interesting looking at his career as well. Um, he goes really well in small fields. Um, he's never won in a sort of double-figure field. So only eight runners going to post here, or certainly at time recording. That'll suit him more than most. He goes well right-handed, left-handed. That's not a problem. I tried to look for a chink in his armoury on that uh, score. Couldn't find it. Um, and he likes soft ground, and he's got in here off a, off a, a, a light weight. Um, mm. So, yeah, I thought, was it eight to one for him? I think I've seen eight, eight to, to one, one yeah. for Golden Whiskey. Yeah, yeah, he'd strike me as being a fair each way bet. Yeah, eight to one golden whiskey, as you say, Andy, there in the 255. On to the race. I think everybody who loves this great game is looking forward <laughs> to seeing it's the matchup we probably didn't expect to see until the festival itself. We've been waiting for one of them to come out over the past week or so. But mm-hmm. as of 5.30 on Thursday, the 20th of January, which is the time right now, um, both Shishkin and Anergamine will line up in the Clarence House chase. Uh, Shishkin is eight to eleven. Anergamine is seven to four. First flow is eleven to one, and Amula Gold is hundred to one. Andy, we've spoken many times in this podcast about the merits of these two, but mainly in relation to the Cheltenham Festival and what that might bring. Ascot is, of course, a whole other ball game. How do you see these two shaping up? Do you think Shishkin, who's probably the well, who is the more proven of the two, but Anergamine? Who knows how good he is? Do you think the prices at the moment are right? Yeah, I do, George. Yeah, I mean, we were robbed of this uh, potential clash when we last season in, in the Arkell. And of course, Shiskin went on to take it in the absence of Menergamin, uh, who uh, met with the setback. And we thought we were going to have to wait a year on um, to find out who's the best. But um, we've got them pre-Cheltenham um, this year, which, which is great. It's very sporting of both sets of connections. Um, <laughs> and... Um, you know, who would have thought it? Um, they, they both decided to roll the dice. I hope we just don't get an Altior surname situation where both of them are punch drunk and then we mm-hmm. um, they, they, they don't um, they don't um, show their form for the, the thick end of a year, which happened with those two horses. Unfortunately, they're, they're never quite the same uh, ever, uh, afterwards. Um, of the two, I, I much prefer Shiskin. Uh, that doesn't mean to say that I'm a uh, I'm any way detrimental to an Ergamin's chances because he's probably going to, in a tactical race, get the run of the race out front. Um, I'd imagine he'll lead. I mean, the first flow can, if he wanted to, um, bustle up the the, the um, second favourite. But I'd, I'd I'd imagine that would be um, compromising his own chance, arguably trying to chase a very hot pace. But I, and I think it'll it'll allow Nico de Boinville to ride a nice race. I think he'll just race off the inside. Kevin Ogham will go around the inner. He'll probably have Paul Town and no less than a length or a couple of lengths in his range finder throughout. And as we saw at Kempton, I mean, once he turned into that tur- into the straight and the turbo kicked in, because he did look in trouble uh, at mm. the Sunbury venue uh, for a stride or two on, on the home turn. 
I mean, he's left really good horses completely and utterly for dead. I mean, Sky Pirate, as we saw the other day, is no mug. He was trying to give two stone to an improving horse of Shiska. And Grenadine's winner of Tingle Creek. And he made him look absolutely pedestrian. So I think this horse is a real Rolls-Royce. Um, and, yeah, if you're an odds-on favourite backer, then four to six, you know, I've certainly seen worse bets in a in what looks to ostensibly a head-to-head fight. So, yeah, that, that'd that be the way I'd, I'd be going. Um, I hope we just see a really good race and, uh, you know, they, they jump round clean and they get there at the second last. The crowd really gets excited and um, it's as big a spectacle as what we hope for. But I think Shearskin is just likely to prove he's too good. In your view, um, would you... How would you see the, the, the course basically suiting which? I mean, would you, would you see... And Ergamine or Shishkid more likely to win at Ascot over Cheltenham. Who do you think has the benefit on Saturday? Well, they're, they're both strong stays at the trip. I mean, and Ergamine, mm. you know, he, he's won at Leopardstown over two mile one last season, clocked a very good number. Shishkin's times are slightly better, but his times actually could have got better because he hasn't been extended in the races where he's run out of competition to take him as far as his engine will, will, will go. I, I don't really know how good he can be, Shishkin. Um, I think it's going to it's going to set it up perfectly for him to almost run a, a career high because he's finally got a horse who's capable of going as far as he, as he, as he he'll dare as well in, in an argument. So they're really going to be stretching each other and they're going to be finding each other out. I can't wait to see what, 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 how the race develops in the latter stages. But as I said, I think Shiskin has just got that extra fifth gear to go into um, at the back end of his race. Like I say, he, he did it last year at Cheltenham in the Arkle. Once he met the rising ground, once he once he got into top gear at Kempton, we saw what he was capable of, and um, I think that'll be the case again when he turns for home uh, and faces that Berkshire stiff, stiff hit um, climb to the line. Shishkin eight to eleven, the one for Andy. Something's got to give here, Ed, in this Titanic battle between the two. And the great thing about it is, as well as that, we know all being well, with both horses getting around safely. Now, this is just the first fight. There's going to be a rematch coming up on the horizon as well um, in what should hopefully be a rivalry that, that you know spreads forward well beyond this season. Uh, who do you fancy between these two in their first uh, match-up against each other? Well, in answer to your question, I'm with Team Shishkin. I'd echo a lot of what um, Andy's saying there. But come back to your first point, though. I actually, um, just an angle I'm going through here, if Shishkin absolutely does just wipe the floor with an ergamine, just for argument's sake, wins eight lengths, uh, I noticed Nergamine's got an entry in the Ryanair chase. I wonder whether connections and then this, you know, we're looking at kind of boxing rematch clauses here with Shishkin mm. and Nergamine, whether they may just say, well, sod it and go up to the Ryanair, which you take Alaho out of the equation, who didn't exactly sparkle in the John Dirk and it will be winning it last time out. That looks a very modest bunch in behind. So, I mean, that's a chat for another day, but I, I just wonder here, I, I just think Shishkin... He's just got that X factor about him, hasn't he? I mean, you can argue. We don't really know how good an Ergamine is. Mm. Um, we, we kind of say that this test will bring out the best of Shishkin. You could argue it bring out the best of an Ergamine as, as well. Uh, I think tactics will also be interesting. Obviously, the, uh, in the Peterborough chase last time out in regards to first flow, they rode him uh, a lot more patiently, obviously, to try and get the trip over that angle. Coming back to two on soft ground, back in his home patch, if you like. Uh, I wonder if the first row could go forward and almost become a little bit of a spoiler for a Nergamine or the two might end up beating each other up. Essentially, whichever way I kind of slice the tactical scenario of this contest, I just keep coming back to Shishkin. And um, I just, I've just i mentioned this on a couple of other shows recently, George. There's this, what I, I perceive as a false narrative out there in regards to the ground and Shishkin. I think it's because when Nicky Henderson first had him, he said, oh, you know, he's a beautiful mover. He wants a sound mm. surface. That. The facts in the form book would actually suggest otherwise. I mean, it absolutely lashed it down at Kempton before we won over the Christmas period, as Andy alludes to. I mean, he stuffed the Tingle Creek with a 10 lengths. The ground was plenty soft enough that day. I think it was officially soft, heavy in places the day he won a Supreme Novices. There's no problem at all with this horse going on ground with giving it. You know, all this, so he must have an absolute road to run on. Uh, that's just absolute mythology, to be honest with you. So I've got no concerns uh, in that regard. Uh, yeah, Shishkin's win for me. But a bigger picture will be, yeah, I mean, if it's a ding-dong battle, which we want to see, and there's not much between them, roll <laughs> on uh, the rematch in eight weeks' time. But uh, it is interesting, yeah, Nurgamine does have that Ryanair chase entry. No, we're looking further afield here. But at least it is an option or something to bear in mind uh, that if a Nurgamine did get put in his place here, they may consider going elsewhere in the aftermath. But anyway, let's enjoy this weekend first. Uh, this is a, a race to save, albeit the forerunners, but uh, I expect Shishin to come out on top.
two team shishkins there. Um, I have a feeling I know it might make it a bit trickier, um, but I guess if you are backing that seven and four, you're kind of doing it, assuming, um, you know, less form in the book, it must be said, in terms of horses beaten, uh, shishkin eight to 11, the view of the two experts. So we will see. It's going to be incredible, incredibly exciting to see those two matching up for the first time. And as I say, I hope it's going to be the beginning of a long rivalry rather than seeing Anagamin rerouted to avoid shishkin come the festival, but we will see. So with that, that brings our Ascot preview to a close. But we're going to look at the racing at Haydock as well and the three races, the uh, 125, the 2 o'clock and the 2.35, starting with the Skybet Supreme Trial Rossington uh, Novice Hurdle. Uh, John Bond turns up here at 4-9, to nine, ahead of Mai Tai at 11-2, to two, Richmond Lake 9-1, to 20-1 to one bar. We'll use this, Andy, as just a quick chat because we've spoken about the Supreme a lot on this show over the past few months. And since we last spoke, we've seen uh, an amazing Tollworth win from Constitution Hill. We saw Dysart Dynamo last week absolutely hose up over in Ireland. That means the Supreme market now has a very different look to how it did previously with Constitution Hill, 11-4 to favourite, Dysart Dynamo, 7-2 to alongside John Bond with Sagaha 9-1. to So three... Very cosy at the top end. And I guess we're going to learn a lot about just how good John Bon is, given Mai Tai is the op- opponent here, who, of course, we saw Constitution Hill beat very cosily a couple of months ago. So where do you stand at the moment, both in terms of the opener uh, and to that Tuesday, that first Tuesday in March, or the first, sorry, the first day of the festival in March? Uh, and how do you see this one going in terms of the prices on Saturday? Well, prior to... Dysart Dynamo winning the Moscow Flood the other day, I would have said that Constitution Hill had no chance of being usurped at the top of um, our speed figure charts with that run, not in the Tolworth, but the previous one when he beat Mai Tai. That still remains his fastest time figure when he really quickened up that day after strong pace. They didn't go quite as quick in the Tolworth, and I didn't think actually he had to beat a stellar field, even though it was a grade one. I think he's, I still think his Mai Tai performance was the best one. I think Mai Tai would have finished second in the, in the Tolworth as well, if, if he would have gone in it. Um, but he still remains the one to beat for me in, in, in the Supreme. Um, but the Johnny-come-lately is definitely Dysart Dynamo, who ran an equivalent time figure, um, certainly based on our, on our data anyway, um, when he won the Moscow Flyer. He actually ran quicker in his, in his victory that, that weekend than Min, Duvan and Vator all did prior to going on and win the Supreme itself wow. so he's a very very good horse <laughs> and he did it on the bridle as well i mean he was not by any way stretch of the imagination fully extended he's just a very very good and very fast horse so it's kind of over to you now john bon to see what he can do as of yet as i've spoke a few times on these podcasts he hasn't run a time figure anywhere near the level that suggests he should be the price he is i'm not saying he's not going to be capable of doing it because he just hasn't been in the environment yet to allow him. They've gone very slow first time at Newbury when they dawdled past the line. It was never going to be a strongly run race and he quickened up at the end. He did exactly the same at Ascot when he took the ball by the horns early when nothing else wanted to go on when they crawled for the first half a mile. So this will really show us what he's all about. They're going to go a much stronger pace. You've got Donny Boy in there. You've got Richmond Lake in there bound to go along at a good gallop. Uh, so we'll see what he can do. You know, He's going to have to raise his game, I think, again, because I don't think this this um, is by any way shape or form a pushover. Um, so let, let like I say, let's see what we can do. I I wouldn't back him at four to nine. He's just not a four to nine shot for me. Um, what would I do if I was going to have a bet? Um, I would probably bet without the favourite because it's just mm. you know not a great shape for an each way bet, is it? You've only got one or two places, and we think John Bond is going to finish first or second at the very worst. So I'd probably go Lebowski at the prices. I think he's 20, 25 to one in the in in uh, John Bond uh, in the market race, and I'm not sure what price he's without. But on on the day, there's going to be without the favourite betting. I'd say in around the 12, 14 to one mark. Um, I've been very impressed with these two wins. Obviously, in much lower company, but he does quicken well. He's got a good cruising speed. I know connections have laid him out for this race specifically, and the softer the ground, the better. And I think a lot of all the other horses. Bar Mai Tai, obviously bumped into Constitution Hill, have all got the same kind of form lines, i.e. Mm. northern form that uh, is kind of, you know, open to any kind of improvement. So, yeah, in, in short, I come back John Bonnet at the price. 
and Lebowski would probably be the one I'd look for from an each way perspective. Or sorry, uh, without the favourite. Without the favourite. Well, three six five have got to mark it out. They're the only ones at the moment. You're getting fifteen to two about Lebowski uh, without the favourite. But of course, well, that might be very different. Than that. Yeah, could be different on the day. Um, yep. That is, you know, they're the first out. So often can, um, you know, I'm sure that'll look that that whole market will look very different come uh, come one o'clock on on Saturday. Uh, but Lebowski, the one to keep an eye on uh, for Andy and still Constitution Hill, the one to beat in the Supreme. Ed, uh, were you as impressed, you know, with Dysart Dynamo? Clearly very impressive on the clock. How do you see the Supreme market now? And how do you see this one going? Do you think John Bond can do to Mai Tai what Constitution, his stablemate, did to him? Yeah, possibly, yeah. I mean, yeah, the Supreme picture as a whole is absolutely exhilarating at the moment, isn't mm. it? Uh, obviously, Dysart Dynamo is this uh, very fast cat that's arrived amongst the pigeons now and, uh, does Sakai go up in trip? Do you know, others kind of serve the contest, or do we have one of the uh, Titanic tussles in eight weeks' time? You know, uh, still a lot of water under the bridge yet. As regards to John Bond, should probably win this if uh, he is what we all believe he is. I mean, a lot's being made of the ground again. Again, Nicky Anderson's come out straight from day one. Straight, this horse is a glider. He needs good ground. I mean, his brother Duvan, there was a multiple grade one winner in an absolute bog. So um, if there's anything to do with family genetics, it might not be too much of a trouble. Yeah, you just won't, won't want this to end in a, a tactical, messy affair. And I often we're on these shows moaning that some of the trainers cotton all their horses don't run them. I actually am generally surprised they are running John Ball in this assignment. I, I thought they could probably have found something a bit more suitable. You know, like the Sydney Banks at Huntingdon on a bit of good to soft would probably be in a race I thought they might have gone for. And I know, obviously, Shishkin had a, he used that race to knee on, on route to the Supreme. Um, I believe they're going to run either Balco Coastal Iron Maximus in that. So uh, it's an embarrassment of riches almost for Nicky Henderson. He's almost got to fit them all in somewhere. I think Constitution Hill is going to, as a novice, run in the contenders hurdle, isn't he, in a couple of weeks' time? So uh, lots to mull over. Um, no real insight other than yet. The only thing that I could see undoing John Bond here would be as if, for whatever reason, this became a slow crawl in a bog and just turned into a bit of a mess. Uh, funny enough, that is pretty much these kind of slow calls of how we've seen John Bond excelling so far, mm. uh, but not on ground as deep as this. So uh, this could be end up being a little bit of a chess match. We we'll want it to be, but um, yeah, hopefully he just comes through at flying colours and kind of cements his place in the lineup for the first race on March 15th. Because uh, I don't know about you, but that, that really is a race. If we can get those big three or four to all to post in one piece, I mean, what a race to kick off uh, the China Festival. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'm going to be there on Tuesday and buzzing for that opener. And it'll be interesting if, if all three do go, one of those markets will be so interesting to follow on the morning of the race as well. You've got two Henderson mm. horses from the same yard, you know, two powerful owners um, who, you know, um, the weight of their money can can often tell. And then you've got the, you know, the, the Irish thing that William Martin's got such an incredible record in the race in recent years as well. Absolutely fascinating. It's probably in my head, even though it's a, a novice hurdle, the, the, the race I'm the most excited for at the festival cannot wait uh, on then to the uh, the two o'clock um, which is the new one Unibet hurdle the grade two Tommy's Oscar is the eight to eleven favorite ahead of Hunter's call at five to two Navajo pass 12 to one uh, Rocker Den 14s Global Citizen 25 to one and Garo de Julie 66s uh, and he tipped up a an, an eight to eleven shot um, in Shishkin earlier Tommy's Oscar here at eight to eleven um, spun to swerve Anything to get against, or do you think should go in? Yeah, I think Shishkin's a better eight to eleven chance than this thing. Um, I mean, he's been one of the f- sort of revelations of the whole season, and he's Tommy's Oscar. He's kind of like gone from relatively humble beginnings up north to now be not not necessarily champion hurdle contender, but a possible champion hurdle runner. Who would have thought that uh, mm. when he got beat um, four runs ago? Uh, I, th- I think his mark of one hundred fifty six slightly flatters him. Uh, the handicap is kind of like. Put him up in increments along the way, uh, but I, you know he's been beating the, the likes of like Christopher Wood and Ger- uh, Geronimo, and I, th- I, th- I think I, I say I think he's, I think he's marked a little bit of a red herring, um, and he, he does face here a horse in, in the shape of Hunter's Call. I think he's got better form, um, and I, I don't get how they bet four to six, five to two here. I, I'd have these a lot, lot shorter. I, there's an argument to say Hunter's Call. Could I completely favourite in some, some funders' minds? Certainly mine, anyway. Um, I thought he ran a brilliant race last time out at Cheltenham. Um, you know, he's, he's a 12-year-old, but for me, that was a career high. Um, he's just got outrun by Guard Your Dreams and Song for Someone. Having come there absolutely like swinging off the bridle um, from the second last to the last, don't think there's anything other than positives to say about his run. I mean, back in fourth was a Cheltenham Festival winner in Heaven Help Us. You've got Bally Adam, 
fifth, Sco Royale back in sixth. So all the mm. way down the line, it was a great race. He bolted up the time before at Bangor um, on his on his favoured soft ground. But I think he's his propensity to get the job done on soft ground. If this is going to be a slog, I think he's cruising speed and the fact that he does stay beyond might just be the telling factor here because I don't think Tommy's Oscar would necessarily want soft or heavy ground. You look at his form, most of it's on good ground. So again, I think the betting's all wrong here. Um, I'm quite confident in tipping Hunter's call at five to two and thinking he'll be a lot, lot shorter on the day. And um, I'd expect him to um, certainly put it up to the favourite at the very least. Hunter's call, the strong selection there for Andy um, at five to two. That's a few firms, Paddy's, Betfair Sportsbook, Better Victor should be shorter on the day, he says. Ed? Yeah, interesting, isn't it? I, I, I might be totally wrong here, but I actually think is Tommy's Oscar now the highest rated GB trained horse entered in the champion hurdle. Uh, wow. As now I've offered BHRH to 156 has surpassed Depeton. So yeah, um, Anna Hamilton's uh, Tommy's Oscar is, uh, is is flying up into swimming with mm. the shark, shall we say? Uh, well, it's just not. It's just not right, though, is it? That Ed? I mean, that's that's what I'm saying. So if you were going to, yeah, you look, know, it, forget all the chit chat. Epiton versus Tommy's Oscar, I'd probably go one to six. Epiton or one to yeah, eight yeah. In, a, in, a, in a level in a match race, like. But anyway, it, it's all perception. Um, I think he's a vulnerable favourite. Call me totally mad, which um, I've been called a lot worse in my life. But a uh, global citizen. He's 25 to 1. He's another Ben Paulding horse who's lost his way. But he won this race three years ago. And you look at the lineup of the horses he duffed up in that field three years ago. It's absolute chalk and cheese compared to this. His wind apparently went totally to pot. He's had his second wind operation. That's worked the Oracle. All his form on, on flat tracks, uh, as we've seen by the fact he won this race three years ago. He will go off in the front like, um, like a mad thing. And he could just run a few of these into the ground if the wind ops worked. I mean, he's a huge price. He'd probably be a monster price in the exchanges. He would be a token bet. But as I said, it's not, it's not one totally devoid of hope, given that he has actually won this race before. So, um, yeah, all in all, I'll take the favourite on. I, I, I'm, I, you know, as much as you've got to love the fact the horseshoes improved £32 in the space of a year, I'm just a, a bit like Andy. I'm, I'm slightly sceptical as the true worth of some of that form. And, um, yeah, I, I, I'm a... I'm going to throw out a wild bet of Hail Mary here on Global Citizen to kind of, um, you know, roll back the years. I didn't, I must say here, I, I didn't know you were going to tip Global Citizen earlier when I, when I slightly tongue in cheek said, mentioned your Ben Pauling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> your, uh, but but just, either just, way. Yeah, just one other thing as well, George. I mean, it's interesting yeah. that if they thought they got his win right and they now think he's why handicapped, then why are they not going for a really good handicap? You know, they could mm. look at the, the bet for a hurdle or something, couldn't they? The fact they're yeah. running him in this when he's totally wrong at the weights, if you believe the figures, you know. Uh, I mean, if you're getting £22 from Tommy's Oscar, I, I, I personally just think the whole thing, something's not, something smells here a little bit. And I, I don't quite believe it all. Uh, I, I just think there's probably a, put it this way, there's a bit more between the whole lot of them than perhaps official figures lead us to believe. And yeah. I, I think at the prices, I mean, crikey, 8 to 11, Tommy's Oscar wins, good luck to connections. It's been a brilliant horse. But um, yeah, at a big price, global citizen for me. Global Citizen 25 to 1 with 365 and William Hill. On to our final race we're going to be covering in depth, and it is the uh, Peter Marsh handicap hurdle. Uh, and we've got Royal Pagai at 3 to 1, favourite. Uh, Empire Steel 5 to 1 with Remastered. Lord Dement Silla 8 to 1. Kaluki 10 to 1. Lakeview Lad 10 to 1. Fortescue 12 to 1. 14 to 1. Al Nadam. Uh, Al Nadam, sorry. Uh, Sam Brown 16 to 1. Sam's Adventure 18 to 1. And Ed, you mentioned. Back when we were talking about Fanny and Destreval in at 159, well, we've got Rob Pagai in here at 163. Mm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> at the well, top end of the market. If I was a proper journalist, I said I would have done my research and I'd have the data in front of me. Uh, maybe Andy's got it. Uh, I, I was trying to get hold of my, my, my friend who's a racing historian. I believe if Royal Pagai could defy a BHA rating of 163 to win this handicap, he'd be in the top 15 all time weight carrying performances in handicaps. Uh, nice. in national history and this some I, i've actually i did have the stats and i've lost it so someone will be able to correct me in time i'm totally wrong we'll say yeah it's 11th or something anyway it, it, just uh, on a wider point it'd be it's a huge ask to win off 163 in any handicap uh yes he's in his backyard yes ground's going to be fine but giving absolutely lumps of weight away to some rivals here and um all in all i just think he, he's there to be got at obviously he won this race in pretty good fashion off 156 last year. So, you know, to play devil's advocate, a lot of people saying, oh, with £7 more on his back, he would have won uh, He would have won last year's contest. But he never always seems to work out like that. And of course, he had a really hard race uh, behind a Plutar last time out. He came back, didn't he, a little bit late. 
and he's been given time to get over that. All in all, I just think he, he's making the market his value elsewhere. If, I know it's all ifs and buts, and if my auntie had and all that, but if this race was over two and a half miles, I would make Unadam the favourite for the race. He's 14 to one. Uh, this is an extended three miles of one furlongs. That is the big question with the old petrol gauge, because I, I think last time at the ground, it, it was soft at Cheltenham, but it wasn't bottomless. This horse wants it like an absolute Amazonian swamp. Uh, he's going to get his ground. It's going to be really testing here. And I just think Harry Scouter perhaps made far too much use of him last time out. And he kind of he kind of fell away before his stamina kicked in and he went again. Uh, Bridget Andrews on it. I just wonder over this trip. They've only tried it once, and that was in the Ultima when he was ridden really aggressively from the front and he, he faded up the hill. Whether Bridget Andrews will just try and smuggle this horse into contention uh, from off the pace because ground is absolutely spot on for him. The yard are flying, and I'm convinced he's well handicapped <clears> off his mark. Uh, so I, I, I cannot let him go off unbacked at 14 to 1. I, I, it is a huge worry the trip. But the fact they're trying it again suggests to me they might try some different tactics here and conditions are going to be absolutely perfect for him. So it, it, it's one of those, yeah. All the for me at 14 to 1, just too big for me to leave alone. On the down 14 to 1, best price with William Hill, the shortest 10s elsewhere. Andy? I, I, I just think with these races, it's just suitability and in handling the conditions, isn't it, more than anything else, rather than looking at too much weights and measures. Um I mean, Royal Park guys, there's different gravy around here, as we've seen twice. Mm. Um, when the ground's been in his favour, that's a key to him. He's just an absolute mm. mud like He's a bit like Bristol Demai, obviously different run style. But, um, you know, give him softer ground or heavy ground at Haydock, he's just unbelievable. And he, he couldn't have won this race any easier last year. Everyone thought that. He couldn't possibly win off 11-10 last year, and he managed to do it. Um, mm. this, I, this race, I think, is a good deal better than last year's, by the way. That's why I think... There's one or two doubts here, then everywhere, you know, remastered. Um, you know, the tables are turned. He had top weight last time out, and he's got 10 7. Imperial Steel, an improving young horse, maybe wouldn't have won the, the Roland Merrick, but for falling. We've got Lord de Mesnel, who also likes it here at Haydock. He'll go hard from the front, and Kaluki's on the improve. But it all boils down to Raw Pagai for me. I mean, he's a genuine grade one horse for me when, when the ground's in his favour. The, when he ran here early on in the season, they said it was good to soft. A lot of the reports said that, that that was total bogus. It was almost good good to firm in places. Uh, so he's done remarkably well to try and keep tabs with the Plutard. Uh, the rest were out the, out the back door. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd be more inclined to actually not disagree with Ed, um, uh, but I'd, I'd be more inclined to go with him at three to one than I would try and search for value just for the sake of it, because I'm pretty damn sure that Raw guy is going to run his race. Um, so, yeah, he, he, he'd be the one I'd... Be looking to back if you gave me a free tenner. Raw Pagai, no chance, Andy. No uh, Raw Pagai, three to one, <laughs> three to one with bet three six five. Uh, before we draw this to a close, got to let you guys get off and enjoy your Thursday evenings. Uh, just looking ahead um, at the racing on Sunday at Lingfield, I know you guys fancy a couple in there. Eds, um, anything for the guys to look out for? Yeah, just uh, I like itchy feet in the inaugural Fleur de Lis chase. Uh, so there's a lot of old horses in there. Um, you know, I think Bristol Demise 11, Wayship Patient, he's going to run, he's 11, Master Tommy Tucker's 11, a lot of uh, old horses there, Itchy Feet um, has been running pretty well in defeat this season, uh, grade one winner on soft, up in trip to 2-6, I think he'll go well, uh, I think he's around 7-1 to at the time of recording, and actually a horse I've been against for a long time, I actually think could have his day out, and say day out in the sun, we're day out in something anyway, and that's in the race before, and Goshen is in, the, uh, in, that, in that hurdle race, all this chit-chat about he needs right-handed, left-handed, upside down, doesn't want to travel. All his form <laughs> is on softer, heavy ground. You break it down into layman's terms. Look at his form in the form book. He runs 10 to 12 pound better on softer, heavy. All his wins have come in a swamp. I mean, he won that Kingwell hurdle where they were kind of swimming across the race course. He won it by 22 lengths hard held. I think he's in a race for the first time. Uh, he could actually really, you know, have a meaningful impact in. And uh, I think conditions down at Lingfield... I mean, absolute bog. He's going to love it. He's up in trip. Yeah, I'll go with Goshen and uh, Itchy Feet. I think that's around six to one and seven to one. The, the pair of them. That's my uh, each way double for the uh, for the Sunday. Yeah, the, the weight of your money, mates, taking that six to one Itchy Feet. I'll, I'll run through the markets quickly so that those listening have an, a kind of a, an idea of, of where we are in the races. Bristol Demai is eleven to four for the Fleur de Lis favourite. Dashel Drasher seven to two. Itchy Feet five to one. Waiting patiently, eleven to two. Master Tommy Tucker six to one, and then in the uh, the Weatherby's Cheltenham Festival betting guide hurdle, 
Uh, we've got Bruin Up a Storm is 11 to 4. Darva Star 3 to 1. Dash or Drasher again, double entry. We'll have an idea tomorrow where he goes uh, 9 to 4. St. Felician 11 to 2. And Goshen 7 to 1. That's 7 to 1 with Skybet and Unibet. Andy? Yeah, a couple that um, catch my eye on, on the Sunday. Um, first and foremost, um, the 150, the uh, Kazoo Novices Chase. Um, I've been following that form line of witness protection uh, virtually all from back in uh, November when it was running. I think there's been about seven or eight winners out of that race. Um, in fact, it, hardly anything has lost. Um, mm-hmm. We haven't seen witness protection run. Um, since I don't know, don't know what the setback is there, but um, hopefully he'll be back um, for Cheltenham perhaps. But uh, Red Rookie comes out of that race. He finished second. He probably would have been brave Shisk had he not fallen at Ascot. Then he bolted up the other day at Hereford in a very strongly run race when the, they went off really quick and, and his stamina kicked in. He's just a really strong stayer at the trip. Three Two miles in heavy ground around Lingfield will be absolutely ideal for him. So uh, Red Rookie in the 150. And the other one I think is very, poten- very well handicapped potentially in the very last race on the card. Uh, you cast your mind back to the um, the race that was won by the mighty Constitution Hill um, at Sandown, and the horse that made the running that day, and the horse that served it up from the front, um, in the end capitulated, but he still didn't run too badly um, for a horse clearly out of his grade, but Outlaw Peter finished third to Constitution Hill in my time. We know those two are certainly grade one horse the winner, maybe a grade two, grade three horse the second. He was well clear of the rest on stamina sapping ground. And he'd run well the time before beyond asking me early in a, a well-contested um, race at Exeter. He's come out of those two races with a mark of 117. I mean, I think that's very, very <laughs> lenient. Um, he's now back up book back up in trip um, against novices um, off a very, very tasty-looking mark. If there's a better handicapped horse in that race, I haven't come across it, so... Outlaw Peter, flying the flag for that Constitution Hill form in the last race for the Nichols camp. Outlaw Peter in the last and Red Rookie there for Andy. No prices at the moment, so just keep an eye out. They'll be coming out in the next 24 hours or so. Thank you very much, as ever, to both Ed and to Andy for sharing their thoughts on the weekend's racing. Great to be back on the Odds Checker betting show. We'll be doing plenty more of these in the coming weeks, so do subscribe to the Odds Checker YouTube channel. Check your podcast channels as well. They'll all be up there too. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, make sure you look out for Racing Weekly, Odds Checker's brand new show, a brand new podcast and YouTube show with Rishi Passad and Sam Turner looking at all things racing, all the stories up in the lead up to the Cheltenham Festival 2. Please download the Odds Checker app for the best uh, odds, the best bookie offers, free bets, place terms, and the best tips is in the game. Andy's tips straight to the app every morning around 9am. Hopefully we get the uh, the matchups, the big tussles that we're hoping for here, previewed by the guys. Please make sure you enjoy the racing. It should be an incredible weekend and ensure that all your gambling is done responsibly. 